He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Kia ora rā and welcome to Insight. I'm Philippa Tolley. Today, being a dad from behind bars. Right now, there are nearly 10,000 New Zealand men in prison, and many of them have children. But how often do we actually think about them as fathers? Most men in prison today will eventually leave. So how does Corrections help them maintain a bond with their children while they're inside, and make sure they're ready to parent well when they get out? Insight's Teresa Cowie has been finding out how dads in prison cope with the separation, learn parenting skills and prepare for fatherhood and playing a role in their family once they're on the outside. And all names used in this programme are pseudonyms for security reasons. It's a muggy Sunday morning at Northland Prison in the outskirts of Kaikohe. And today the lineup of visitors is dominated by children. Dressed in their smartest clothes, boys with hair neatly parted to the side and girls in summer dresses are heading to an event they've been looking forward to. It's a visit with their dads, some of whom have been behind bars for months, even years. One little girl will be meeting her father for the first time today. At reception, a row of pale green standard-issue Department of Corrections pushchairs are lined up against a wall ready to ferry the smallest in the group into the prison. Parents are not allowed to use their own in case anything's smuggled in. As the children enter the gatehouse, they have to turn around in front of a body-scanning machine. Just a little twirl on the X-ray. Come through. Anything they're bringing in with them on their visit to Dad has to go through an airport-style conveyor belt X-ray where it's checked for contraband. The obvious stuff, like weapons or drugs, but also blue tack or chewing gum that could be used to make weapons or be stuffed into keyholes. The colour red is also off-limits for their Sunday best. It's a gang colour, and prison security wants to avoid anything that might start a fight, especially now it has a large group of small children in its care. Once the group's all checked, they head through a series of locked doors under tight control, emerging into the landscaped grounds planted with flax and grasses and surrounded by concrete walls and wire. Before they enter the visiting room, there's one final check. Each child and their caregiver has to be sniffed over by a detector dog. Some stand while the dog circles them. Others, who are a bit nervous, sit on mum's or a grandparent's knee while the dog quietly and carefully goes about its work. Today's session is a fairly recent addition to the laminated visiting schedule that hangs on the wall of the visiting room. It's called a child-centred visit. Most other visits on the schedule involve sitting on fast-food restaurant-style plastic chairs that are fastened to the ground. Only one hug at the beginning and end of the visit is allowed, and everyone has to stay put in their seats. The reality is the children can't sit for long, while the inmates and their other grown-up visitors chat, and they end up playing in the children's reading corner away from their fathers. But today, instead of having to sit quietly... They get to play with their dads. 
They'll read, paint pictures, do craft activities and make music. Big and small, chicken and mouse, pinky pointy ears. The child-centred visits and school holiday programmes were introduced about four years ago as a way to help keep up the bond between father and child. Fuzzy and yellow. So pretty. Bella. <laughs> Let's count them. One, two, three. Kittens. Linda Biggs is from the Storytime Foundation, a charity that runs the sessions along with the Department of Corrections. So every Saturday there is child-centric visits at Northland Regional Corrections Facility and that's where the men and their children get to engage with hands-on activities. They can have books to read, they can have learning activities, they can go outside and they can actually move around and sing and play and read with their children. So we have those happening every week and when a child's read a book four times they get to take the book home and then they get to choose a new book. In addition to that, we have about four major events during the year, like today's event for Christmas or for Matariki. And we also, every school holidays, have interactive school holiday visits that are two hours long. And there's always activities for the dads and the children to do together. Lisa Ray is an acting senior corrections officer in the Visits and Child Protection Department. She says before this type of visit started, most of the dads didn't have any idea about how to talk or play with their child and would often ignore them. We started this visit because children hated coming in here, having to sit for two hours on a chair, not move. Um, so we um, started the visit and getting the guys up and teaching the guys how to interact with the children. When we first started it, we did it as a trial. And, and we said, like, if this doesn't work, we're not doing it anymore. Um, but they all just ran with it. They all participate. They all, If you're watching today, they're all involved with their children. And that's building relationships with children. Being able to interact, read, play games. Um, when we started, they couldn't... They didn't even know how to get down on the floor and play a game. Like we were teaching the men and the children because they probably hadn't had that at home. The men at this prison are mostly low and medium security and no one with a history of harming children or who is violent or in any way unsafe can take part in these visits. I'm Teresa Cowie and you're listening to an RNZ Insight programme about being a dad from prison. We did a bit of painting and um, just hung out with them, got a photo taken and that, so um, it's cool to have a recent one. It's the only photo that we actually end up getting as a, as a family, the three of us, so to look forward to that once a year is, is, is quite a cool thing to hear. Pete, who's 29, has been in prison for about 11 years with one brief stint on the outside. Well, I came to prison when I was 18 years old. Um, I was still quite young-minded, so I didn't really have any direction in life. Um, went down the wrong path and got into the drugs and the, and the gang side of things and, um, and then all the rest of it sort of comes with it, hand in hand. He admits he wasn't much of a dad when he was at home, mostly just in and out of the door, working and doing crime. He phones his son, who's just turned six, every day and his son comes to visit him every Saturday. But Pete's worried about how strong their bond will be when he eventually gets out in about two or three years. 
I guess one thing I'm afraid of is that we don't really have um, as good a connection as we possibly could. Like, of course, I give, get a hug and a kiss out of him every time I see him and stuff, and we play and things like that. But I just, I just worry that, um, that maybe our connection isn't as well. It's not as strong as it probably should be. Um, so that's something that I worry about or worry about when he grows up that he maybe resents me for having to come into this place or something like that. Or, so there, there's those sort of concerns. The Storytime Foundation tries to strengthen the bond between child and parent through books. So we've got a variety of books here from little babies' books through to those suitable for 11 and 12-year-olds and each of the dads is going to have the opportunity to come with their children and choose a book for their children to take home. Linda Biggs teaches parenting programs and reading and play skills for Storytime Foundation. At today's session, she's handing out free books that the dads and their children can choose together. Hi, would you like to choose a book for the little one? Yeah, sure. What, um, what kind of things are you interested in? I wouldn't have a clue the second wouldn't... time I've seen them. Second time you've seen them? Okay. So that book there, you want to just pass me that book on the top? While some fathers are trying to maintain ties with their children, others are just beginning their relationship with their child. Pete's been working hard to get close to his son since being inside. Linda says he's been making the most of the courses and opportunities available and learning to be a dad again. He was one of our very first people on the programme two and a half years ago and we did some very um, general engagement and encouraging him to be engaging with the children and then he's actually done our Taonga Mona Tamariki programme which is based around the early reading together and reading together programmes and it's all about engaging parents and their children in positive ways with literacy and I've really seen um, his relationship come so far with his son over the time that I've, I've known him. What have you noticed? What sort of change has it Oh, I've noticed him be far more attentive to the child, far more natural. Um, the, I watched him today, actually, and as he came into the room, the child just ran and flung his arms around him and was picked up and cuddled. And his dad is far more in tune with what the child needs and is more part of the family unit rather than being a bit more on the outside that he would have been at the, at the very beginning. You can really see the strong bonds that are, are there. He's just worried about those gaps and whether there'll be gaps in their bonding. Do you think that that's a reasonable worry for him to have? It probably is a realistic worry for him to have, but I think what we're providing here and working with NAFA to provide is a basis, a foundation for that relationship to grow. So I think maybe as part of his rehabilitation and release plan, there needs to be some maybe some longer visits or some real good thought put into how that bond can be grown a bit more um, before they actually leave here. And for him also, it just it sounded like there was a little bit of guilt there. Can you sort of work with that when the bond was not already strong before the men have come here? Yeah, we can. We actually get that a lot. A lot of the men say, I had no idea how important I am in the lives of my children. I had no idea that I actually can, with just giving them a bit of time and attention, I can actually make a real difference. So I think he understands that totally, and I think you'll see a different man when he goes out. Outside in the play area, a dad is playing peekaboo with his son through the Wendy House window. Another child is playing chase, 
He and his father are running around and the boy's squealing with delight. The dad has a massive silly grin on his face. Beside them, a little girl is smearing paint from her artwork onto her dad's hand and pretending to paint his nails with her brush. You like putting nail polish on, eh? Mummy? Here you go, here's a nail polish brush. Dr. Tess Bartlett is a research fellow at the Monash Gender and Family Violence Prevention Centre in Melbourne, who studied the experience of fathers in prison. She says most men in prison don't often get the opportunity to display their softer side. Most of their days spent being staunch, vigilant, and trying to survive. She says dads in prisons need more opportunities and spaces to display this fathering side so that they can be ready for life on the outside. Fatherhood needs to be built into their identity and nurtured, and that, she says, is hard to do in most prison environments. She says a lot of it comes down to having physical spaces where the men can relax their tough prison persona and remember, or learn from the beginning, how to be dads. There are some great models, if you like, of that being done. For example, in Wales, there's Invisible Walls Wales, and they have done a pilot project where there's an entire unit which is dedicated to fathering. When you enter the prison space, there's, you know, children's art on the wall, rooms where fathers can, who have newborn babies, they can come in and bath them. Um, there's playgrounds that, so children who come to visit, they can actually, you know, go outside and play around on things. Um, obviously, there are safety concerns in prison, so it's about working around those and building on things that are already in place. She says in some countries, families can have overnight visits with their dads in caravans or cottages in the prison grounds. There are some places in the States that have um, trailer visits over, say, a weekend, um, and the family can actually go and stay in the trailer um, with the the father um, and and just be in that space, and, and that's that's it. So, so it's very simple. Um, and in Scandinavia, there are uh, cottages that parents and family can actually come and stay for several days and, you know, make food and, and watch TV and just hang out. Corrections Chief Custodial Officer Neil Beals says there are no plans for trailer or cottage-style overnight visits here, but having more family-friendly visiting spaces is already being taken into account, although not all prisons are there yet. Uh, no such facilities at this time. Um, but we have, in some of our prisons, we, we have external self-care. That's probably about as close as you'll get, but there won't be any kind of overnight stays or, or anything like that. Are there any plans to do that? I haven't seen any or been involved in any plans uh, for that future. But look, um, who knows what the future may bring? And um, would I be an advocate of that? Look, I'm, I am an advocate of anything that will prevent somebody from coming back to prison and prevent their children from maybe entering the justice system in the future. But these men are in prison for a reason. So what does Dr Bartlett say to those who might think weekend cottage and caravan visits sound like too much of a soft option for criminals? Well, I'd say that 
it's really important to think about the fact that most people who go into prison come out again. So what are we doing to make sure that they leave in a way that's going to be beneficial for the rest of society and also for them? Pete will likely be leaving prison in a few years' time. So one way he's gearing up to be a responsible dad is by relearning some basic household skills. He's now living in what's known as self-care. It's a sectioned-off area inside the prison walls dotted with small, plain houses. There's a large vegetable garden tended by the men who live here, and inside the houses there are no cells. Each inmate has his own bedroom, there's a living room and a shared kitchen. Okay, yeah, so we're in internal self-care unit, um, far number four. This is the house where I reside in with um, three other three other guys. And obviously there's no bars or anything on the windows. Mm-hmm. Um, as you can see, it sort of looks like a, a normal house, just on a smaller scale. Walk right into our, um, our kitchen. Just like everything else, we've got sort of most of the amenities that a normal other house has. Microwave, oven. Um, some mince defrosting in the sink. Some mince defrosting in the sink. I think it's my night to cook. I think nachos or something tonight. So, mm-hmm. When you were at home, did you do much cooking or stuff around the house? On the barbecue I did, so being in here... Come on. I, I know, on the barbecue, but my partner is such a good cook, so... <laughs> so I, twice a year. <laughs> so, no, <laughs> OK, yeah, you got me, you got me. But um, I'm actually learning in here, and I'm not actually just saying this, I am actually learning how to cook properly in here. Like most people in prison, Pete had become institutionalised. He was used to being told what to do, what to wear, when to get up and when to go to sleep. While that predictable routine is necessary for the smooth and secure running of the prison, it doesn't necessarily make for responsible parenting on the outside. It's easy to forget simple things like how and when to cook a meal, how to budget and buy the groceries, or even remember to hang out the washing. We do a shopping on a Saturday, we look at the specials first and we decide what everyone wants to cook and some people might want some specialty items or something like that. We most of it, we're pretty harmonious in here. We all sort of eat the same thing or, um, yeah. Have your family ever got to come here or is it just at the visiting spot? That no, visiting I, that, that would be one of the things that would be really cool if our family could actually um, see this environment. Um, but no, they don't, they don't get the chance to see this. For this dad, Hemi, the parenting skills are already there and still fresh in his mind. I made a promise to myself that when I come in here I wouldn't change for my kids, you know, like I wouldn't change in a bad way, like I wouldn't go home an angry person or anything like that. I think you'll get institutionalised if you want to be like that. Hemi hasn't been inside long. It's his first time and he says it will be his only time. His sentence is short. Before coming inside, he worked for a short time as a disability carer. He says he's a good dad, loves his kids coached their rugby team and was part of the community. His wife's a social worker, but at times he struggled to find work. Money was tight, so he started selling cannabis and got caught. He feels terrible for his wife and kids, who are struggling on the outside to keep things going without him. I've got seven. Seven kids, yeah? Seven children. And and what are their ages? Uh, 23, 22, 21, 15 and 14 and 13-year-old twin boys. So you've been away from your family for six months. What kind of 
What kind of effect has it had on your relationship with your children? Oh, it's been like quite devastating. My girl, my my, because um, I'm, I I coach uh, my, a lot of my kids rugby and stuff like that. Um, um, today was my second visit, and it's still a lot of tears from my kids because you know I, I do realise that I've done wrong and that I need to, and I have just I'm making change by starting to get things like. Um, and here, the carpentry course, forestry course, I've already done. Mm. Hopefully, get on the Māori Tikanga um, course as well, just to get back in touch with my iwi and hapu. He says he's focused on getting some work skills. The missing piece for him as a dad has been being able to provide for his family. Selling in marijuana, just to keep my family fed, because where, where I live, there's not much work really up there, you know. And a lot of like uh, when I did get busted, a lot of people thought, you know, like it's quite easy for us, you know, like them. It's not that easy, really, especially when you've got seven children. But you're going to be able to do this sort of work, hopefully, yeah, when yeah. you... Yeah, easy, I reckon. Uh, with the forestry, I, after what I could learn from the forestry, that I wouldn't mind opening my own, like, firewood business or something. Or uh, just starting it anyway, because I've got plenty of land up there that I've got a lot of tea tree and pine on. So I'd really like to get into that. Mm-hmm. And I kind of make it, like, teach my kids as well. Hemi says his kids hate coming into the prison, but still do visit him regularly. His father passed away recently, and he's thankful his children make the trip to give him some much-needed hugs. But not everyone wants visits from their children when they're in prison. Mike is an inmate in a separate unit at Northern Prison for younger men. He's 23 and has three children, a daughter and two sons, and he in particular wants to shield his sons from the prison environment, something his partner has agreed with. Do you want to show me around? Which one is your bunk? My on the top bunk. Yeah. And my son is on the bottom bunk. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And is, there's a couple of kids in pictures oh, up yeah. here. These are my twin boys. And um, the girl on the bike, that's my daughter. And she's the only one that visits me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how often does she visit you? Uh, usually every Saturdays on a um, children visit. Yeah, I, I don't get my sons to come in, so I don't want them in this environment. So yeah, there's yeah. What do you feel like you don't want your sons to come and visit you? Uh, I just don't want them to think that jail is cool because um, they do put it on for the kids over there. But yeah, just don't want my kids to think it's uh, my sons to think it's good on there. Do you write letters to your children? Um, no, I don't. I just draw my daughter pictures or my son pictures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What uh, kind of stuff do you draw for them? Uh, last thing I drew for my daughter was a unicorn. <laughs> and the other for my sons was a um, transformer and a, oh, and just like the sea, like sharks and stuff. Mike says he was a good dad when he was on the outside, but for him, the biggest change needed in his life was learning to control his anger, and he says he's getting help with that in prison. Corrections doesn't know how many men in prison are fathers. It doesn't collect that kind of data centrally. It says on the occasion that it does ask inmates about their children, the information is kept in their individual file. Not all men in prison are involved with their children before arrest. When asked, some say they don't even know if they have children or how many. 
Corrections' best guess, drawn from 2013 census data, is that about 19% of men would have been directly parenting their children when they went to prison. The data showed the men had on average 1.9 children, but Corrections said that it's likely to be higher. Dr Tess Bartlett says while some prisons offer parenting courses and special visits, there's a real disconnect between the concept of an individual as a prisoner and the idea of these men as fathers with children who love and need them. Reoffending rates remain stubbornly high. The most recently available figures show that nearly a third of those released from prison end up back inside within a year. She says fatherhood needs to be brought to the front and centre of the way men with children are rehabilitated. Research shows that fathers who maintain contact with their children while in prison have more positive parenting post-release. They have better success rates in terms of employment. Um, They're more likely to continue contact with their children post-release and Some research also shows that people who maintain contact with their family are less likely to commit crime. So, you know, it seems for corrections to kind of think about, if we're thinking about reducing uh, recidivism and reoffending, then that should be a kind of key priority. So if ensuring men build a bond with their children and are capable of being responsible fathers when they get out is so important to stopping them reoffending, what is Correction's strategy for fathers? The Department of Corrections, Neil Beale, says it doesn't have a strategy that prioritises fatherhood. I don't think there can be one specific strategy because there's just too many factors involved. In there's different age groups. Trying to teach a 18- or 19-year-old Um, young man how to be a parent um, will take probably a different approach to say somebody who's in their 30s or maybe even their 40s who's had a lifetime behind them of offending. I think rather than saying you've got we need to have a program I think what it is you need to have an approach and you need to have an understanding that the people in our care are you know they come from a wide variety of of backgrounds Uh, their offending is multifaceted it's it, it can vary from first-time offenders to, you know, um, habitual criminal offending. A lot of them come from, unfortunately, way too many come from a gang-related background who they see as their whānau and their family. A lot of them have had um, little or no parenting or proper parenting themselves. They don't know how to do it. They've never been taught how to do it. So I don't think there can be one, one specific program. I think it needs to be an approach. You've got to look at the individual So how do these men see their futures as dads when they eventually make it home? I quite often think about this question and I I actually think now it would just just be the simple things like maybe just going to the beach as the sun's setting and just go and have some fish and chips and, and then just... And go for a swim or something. Just some, just real simple things that don't even cost any money. All, all it is is just a bit of time. Go straight back to like what I was doing, like with my kids. Heaps of love and heaps of hugs and find a good job. Um, yeah, that's my main thing: is make sure my kids are you know, happy and safe and help them chase their dreams. Because I, I don't ever want to see my sons in here or my daughter ever.
That programme was written and presented by Teresa Cowie. If you'd like to hear some of Teresa's other inside documentaries about prison, podcast the award-winning Imprisoned by Meth, or Can Working Prisons Stop Reoffending? And you can find those on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Insight page on the RNZ website, or wherever you get your podcasts. Next week on Insight, John Gerritsen explores how New Zealand would cope if a global disaster forced its borders to shut. I'm Philip Atoli, and that's all from Insight for today. Great to have you listening, and do join us again next time. Listener.